murder, divorce, drugs. Our courts are full of stories, scary, sad, and hilarious. Most are tales stranger than fiction. These are true law stories, brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com, the ultimate resource for customer and client video stories. All right, on this True Law Stories, I've got Mr. Tom Farrar. Tom has been practicing law for over 50 years. We've got some amazing stories of one of the most unique ways out of getting a speeding ticket to some epic representation of foreign countries, including Nicaragua, Jamaica. We've got a, a case with 600,000 pounds of beef and also just amazing stories of coming against the Ford Motor Company company and the enhanced injuries trial, one of the first ones in the country. All of that on this True Law Stories is a great one. Of course, it's brought to you by videocasestory.com. One of the best ways to grow your law practice is and to get more referrals is through Video Case Stories. Go to videocasestory.com big fish to learn 13 ways to get more referrals uh all right let's get started but before we get into this from talking about all the, the stories of the nicaraguan government and etc let's talk a little bit about your background because you've been doing this for about five or six years well uh times 10 yeah uh, i uh, was admitted to practice uh, here in florida uh in june of 1969 so it's a bit more than five or ten <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, I, I can't imagine the things you've seen. And you're in Pensacola right now, correct? No, I'm in Miami. Jeez, my, you've seen Miami change a bit over that time, huh? Just a, just a hair, yeah. It uh, went from, I think when I was born, uh, there were less than a million. I think it was, excuse me, less than a quarter of a million. When in 1960, it was almost a million. And, when, uh, and now it's about three and a half, something like that, so... Few changes, and they it went from a it went from a southern city like not not dissimilar to Jacksonville or Birmingham or Tampa to a seventy five percent Latin city. So there's been enormous changes in that regard as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was just down there, and there's so many places that have, uh, no one speaks English, and you definitely have to know some Spanish down there. It's a great city though, and so you started as an attorney in the army, correct? Well, I actually. I actually started as a law clerk for uh, Judge David Dyer of the old Fifth Circuit, uh, later of the Eleventh Circuit, because when Florida went split up, but I started then, and then I went. I did two years of active duty in the Army. Yes. Oh, fantastic! And you uh, had some uh, crazy stories there. I was noticed that you. Uh, I think this, one of my favorite ones. We've got a lot of them here, but was this speeding a speeding violation by your wife? Yeah, that was a, a touchy client relationship there. Yeah, she uh, she was uh, caught speeding on post, and uh, she's a civilian, of course, and or was a civilian, still is. And she, um, I knew it was going to be a fifty dollars fine. She was she was clocked at uh, thirty miles an hour in a fifteen zone, and I didn't feel like paying fifty dollars, so I, so I refused trial by the then commissioner, now magistrate and demanded trial in U.S. District Court. I figured, yeah, no way they're going to try that. Well, I was wrong. Uh, they did. Uh, my my la I think it was my last or next to the last day of the office. I, it was my last days. I remember I, I left the courthouse and cleared out my desk to leave. And um, But we they tried it. And uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting because the 
course, the, uh, Judge Alexander Lawrence, well, he was the judge in that, uh, district judge in that area, came into court and, and looked it down and says, this speeding, am I trying a speeding ticket? He had obviously a, a, a bit different from his normal caseload. Uh, he, yeah, and I said, oh, yeah, this is an important case. And so, uh, and they, I guess they figured others would try the same thing if, uh, and if they knew, knew to do it. Anyway, the, uh, because she was, uh, a, well, she, what she was tried on was called the Assimilative Crimes Act, uh, which basically says that a violation of state law on a federal re reservation or federal territory is also is a violation of federal law. So they had to prove that she violated state law. And my principal argument was that the 15-mile-an-hour zone was did not apply to her, that the state statute would apply, and the state statute was 30 miles an hour in a residential zone, 60 miles an hour in a non-residential zone. And she was charged with doing 30 miles an hour. That she was charged with doing the speed limit. The regulation uh, that reduced the speed limit to 15 miles an hour in that particular road or area was a regulation promulgated by the post commander. Uh, and a military commander has no criminal for, uh, jurisdiction or no has a regulation of a, of a military commander has no effect on civilians and during times of peace. Uh, which you know, we certainly in the United States, at least, we still were at times of peace. We were in a, engaged in the Vietnam War at the time, but that, that didn't apply here. So anyway, um, I just said, you know, the, it has no force and effect as to her. It was 30 miles an hour. That's what she's charged with. In fact, I brought out maps of posts to show that the, probably this area didn't even meet the definition of a residential area. And the real speed limit was, was 60. The trial went on for about two hours. The U.S. attorney obviously hadn't realized what he that that he. Uh, I don't think he understood what even what he was was trying on, other than it was a speeding ticket. And he was a, uh, you know, waltz in and put on the, uh, the, uh, the the radar record. I got the radar record excluded. There was all sorts of. Uh, state statutes uh, limiting radar because of some speed traps that had been going on in Georgia for a number of years. This was in being tried in Savannah, Georgia. I was at Hunter Army Airfield. Anyway, uh, it wound up, uh, ultimately, she was found not guilty. She was actually found guilty. Uh, we filed a notice of appeal, and the next day we got a notice uh, vacating the order, finding her guilty and finding her not guilty. So, I don't know what the uh, what the story was there. That's the first time that's ever happened. That's never happened again. Uh, filing a notice of appeal and winning. Anyway, that was that was my my story. And of course, when my wife looked down at the start of the trial and saw the in the information that was placed in front of her, United States of America versus Meta B Ferrari, she just went berserk. Uh, the entire United States was against her. Anyway, that was that was my story. Again, I I hadn't thought about that one for probably fifty years. Uh, I was it was fun to, to recall it. That's crazy. That that's fantastic. That's probably the most creative way of getting out of a speeding ticket I've ever heard. So you also then early on represented the Nicaraguan government, correct? Yeah, I've represented six foreign countries over my career. Uh, the first one I represented, actually the second one I represented was, was Nicaragua. I represented Panama before that. But yeah, when the, the Sandinistas took over, 
uh, and kicked Somoza out, and he he fled. Uh, Bill Rogers from Arnold Porter called down, and, and we I was hired. I was actually being paid by Omar Torrijos of, uh, of Panama, the president of Panama at the time, because they didn't have any money. Uh, they you know they. Treasury was was empty when the Sandinistas took over, and so I uh, I did represent them for a period of a couple of years, and then uh, their policies were a little different than mine, and I did wind up uh, withdrawing as, as, as their counsel. And you also represent the Central American Beef and Tr- Seafood Trading Association. No, uh, no, that was a, that was a defendant in one of the lawsuits that we. We handled uh, it was cabs cabs trading was it for 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 short. Um, it was a Somoza company that had taken uh, in the, the waning days of his regime uh, had uh, transported eight hundred thousand pounds of beef. Nicaragua is a very is a beef producing country uh, into El Salvador and then into the United States, and it was in a coal warehouse here in Miami. So. Uh, uh, we, uh, on behalf of the government, I sued, uh, to, well, on behalf of a representative of the government, I sued to uh, to get the beef back. Uh, and uh, it was in front of Judge William Hoover, who was a, one of the great judges here in South Florida. Uh, and we succeeded in, least in getting a preliminary injunction. Uh, and that was appealed to the to the then the, still the old Fifth Circuit. And John R. Brown wrote the decision and upheld the, the temporary injunction, uh, which uh, and Bill Rogers was surprised. He said he, he informed me that he that that's probably the only time a, a United States court has ever upheld a foreign expropriation decree. Uh, so uh, it was that was a fun. That was a, one of my my fun cases over the years. That's amazing. That's amazing. And that's that's a lot of beef. So in that story, I mean, was it frozen or in cold storage? Because there's a time element to that, isn't there? It was frozen and it was in cold storage, both. Uh, it, it was, uh, yeah, that's, uh, it did have a limited time frame, but uh, which is why we tried uh, to use the preliminary injunction. After the preliminary injunction was successful, we wound up settling it and, and getting the beef sold and and. and resolving the the who who got what that's that's amazing and then i mean you've worked in in extraditions as well uh representing foreign governments extraditing them to the u.s no you're thinking of when i was representing uh the government of jamaica um we uh which is a phenomenal client i i loved jamaica they 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 have, uh, just as an aside, most people don't realize it, but they have the highest literacy rate in the Americas, including United States, Canada, or anybody else. Uh, very, very uh, the wonderful people, really smart. I just, it was one of my, uh, one of my my favorite clients of all time uh, was representing uh, the governor of Jamaica. But anyway, there there was a. Um, they were having crime problems in in the Kingston area. There, uh, major, there were gangs. One of which, the major one, was called the Posse, run by a guy named Jim Brown. And they were, uh, they had arrested him and, and tried him and convicted him. And he, they had appealed the uh, the sentence to Privy Council in in England, and Privy Council had ultimately uh, upheld the conviction. Uh, why, right after that, or about that time, 
uh, when I was first brought into it, uh, the uh, or, or shortly before I was brought into it, the uh, there was a fire in Jim Brown's cell, and he was burned. Uh, the belief was that they they were trying to get him to on on an ambulance to the hospital. They were going to ambush the the ambulance and free him. Uh, but he did the job too well. Unfortunately, Jim Brown died in the fire. Uh, but his his co-defendant, whose name I've frankly forgotten now, uh, the, was con- also convicted, and his appeal was overturned. And they immediately, uh, as soon as they, they got word that the appeal had been had been you know, lost or by the defendants. Uh, they put him on a plane and extradited him to the United States. He, he went to the Middle District of Florida uh, to stand trial on a drug charge there, and following which he was going to be tried in the Southern District of Florida on 24 counts of murder, to give you an idea of the, 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 the kind of guy we were dealing with. Um, but as it turned out, uh, he had filed a motion for rehearing. Uh, which they did not realize had happened. He was already been extradited, and then then uh, somebody the motion for rehearing appeared, and, or and uh, there was this big political brouhaha about uh, extraditing this guy before his appeal process was completed, and blah de blah. And a, um, I was was hired to. Bring to try to get him back to Jamaica, so until the appeal was concluded, at which point he would be extradited. Uh, the government of the United States was going to have no part of that. Uh, they 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 had him. They wanted him. They weren't going to send him back. And so I had to file suit, uh, and um, did so unsuccessfully. Uh, it was uh, one of the great things about it is uh, uh, the. The client wanted me to, you know, do all I could, but they, they, uh, want, they made it clear they were, they were, they hoped I would lose, because <laughs> they didn't want him. They, they wanted him to stay in the United States, but it was a, uh, it was a, uh, a fun of, it was again one of my more interesting cases over the years. There's a lot of complexity there, and it's it's crazy. So, and you've worked in a lot of, I mean, landmark cases, obviously. Uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about the gold plumbing case, because I, I was looking this up. I had, and I had not heard of it before, to be, to be honest with you, but it's really interesting. Well, the so-called gold plumbing case, uh, my then partner, Bill Freites, and I uh, represented Johnny Jones, who was the uh, commissioner of the commissioner of public schools here in Dade County. He was the head of the, the Dade County School District. Uh, and and was a, a very prominent figure. He was uh, had been was on the very short list at the time to be uh, head of the Secretary of Education under Jimmy Carter. So uh, it, it, he was a prominent individual and a wonderful man. Uh, I uh, we we he was tr- brought, uh, tried in state court uh, on a charge of trying to use. Uh, public school funds to get some plumbing fixtures for his house in Fort Myers. Uh, and the, uh, the case was, was obviously extremely 
uh, renowned here in, in Miami. It was not a, uh, it was, it was a, uh, a lot of people had great interest in it, but it wound up being the, the first trial in the United States. It was, uh, was, was tried uh, gavel to gavel and was published, was, was televised. Uh, live, gavel to gavel, uh, from beginning to end. So uh, that was that was uh, the significance there. It was even shown outside of Dade County, all, uh, in various parts of the United States. Bill Frady's, by the way, my partner at the time, uh, was John Ehrlichman's counsel during uh, the Watergate uh, uh, investigation. So he was. It was it was a fun. Uh, we ultimately uh, we lost a case of trial, one on appeal, and and uh, the thing ultimately just went away. But he obviously never went beyond that as a you know, office. That's changed now, right? That going to court does not preclude you to uh, being in office. It seems now, like it. Uh, there are people who have, who have been remained in office and uh, held office while in prison. So. Uh, that was in Massachusetts anyway. I only got to ever happen here in Florida. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. That that's real I mean, that's amazing. What was it like? I mean, being the first like televised gavel to gavel trial, was that was that a lot more pressure than you're used to, or did you just pretend like the cameras weren't there? Um, yeah, you really don't. It it did I, I didn't notice any effect. I mean, it didn't bother me. The the cameras Florida was televising court proceedings and had been for a few years, so it wasn't anything new, uh, and it, it 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 didn't really uh, make any any difference of who was who was watching. I mean, we you never know who's figured nobody'd be watching anyway. Trials are uh, extremely boring uh, proceedings. They're not. Uh, yeah, even even criminal trials rarely get very exciting. So uh, I figured anybody who tuned in would probably tune out soon enough. It wouldn't ever really. That's a good philosophy, especially back in the day before they had 8,000 people doing commentary on it. Yeah, there was no commentary that I was aware of. And I think this is a huge case. Tell us about the first trial about enhanced injuries here in Florida. Oh, that was um, that was Evancho v. Ford Motor Company. I was on my partner at the time was Murray Sams. He was a very prominent uh, personal injury attorney. I I didn't do any much personal injury work. I, I did primarily commercial work, but uh, I did work a lot with Murray uh, when when I was, was a partner in that firm, and uh, it was. Um, the enhanced injury mean is 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 where the uh, a a defect in a in a product here a Ford automobile will not necessarily you know, the, the you're going to get injured in the accident regardless but the injuries get enhanced and made worse by some defect in the manufacturer and or designer of the manufacturer the case had actually already been tried once and appealed and the 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 um, the principle of law had been established in that case in Florida in the, by the Supreme Court of Florida. And then we, we were on the retrial. And Ford Motor Company brought, had all these high-speed videos of showing that our theory of the enhanced injury. Major Evancho, who was a client, uh, was laying down in the back seat. And when the accident hit, his head 
we, uh, or the original theory was it struck the uh, the seat in front of him that uh, what had, and and the videos that they showed uh, that Ford Motor Company came up with indicated that in fact that was not the case. He was not hit by the his head did not hit the seat at all. His head hit the B pillar, which is that pillar, uh, the structure, part of the structure of the automobile that holds the roof up, uh, located right at the front seat, seat, uh, the rear of the front seat. So we okay. We changed our theory that uh, it was a defect in design of the B pillar. It stuck out too far. It was like six inches out. They didn't need to have it out that far. And if he hadn't, if his head hadn't struck the 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 B pillar, it'd be the head injuries what killed him, not not any other injuries from the accident. And so we we wound up using the uh, Ford's videos. Was, was actually that was the main part of our case. I don't I don't know how Murray planned to prove what happened otherwise. And we had an expert, but you know we didn't have any much in the way of physical evidence. So it really made our case for us. It was. It was <laughs> That's uh, that was a very uh, innovative thing that Ford did for us. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, it's a sad, obviously, outcome, but an interesting case. So, you know, I, these are amazing stories. I, you know, I just got a final question. How do you feel law has changed? I mean, I, I know this is a big question, but where do you think are the big changes that have happened in law and, and how do you feel about them since you've been started? I mean, you've seen so much. The lawyer, lawyers, when I when I first started practicing, were much more professional, in my opinion, uh, than than what you see now. Uh, I think uh, they had a a sense of responsibility beyond just uh, winning a lawsuit or the so-called what we would call the Rambo litigator, the people who just think that the scorched earth is the way to try a lawsuit. You, you see that a lot more now that, and than in, in the past. I mean, in the past, there was, I think there was much more emphasis on uh, trying to get the facts right and get the case decided by the jury. I mean, you still wanted to win. You did everything you could, but it was not as uh, as as, an, as aggressively pursued as uh, as it seems to be these days. And I don't know why that is. Other than I guess society's changed a little bit over the last fifty, sixty years. Oh man, that's amazing. Well, Tom, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and and telling us these amazing stories over the past fifty years. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Hope you hope you had a good time. As I certainly did. Thank you. Uh, thank you, and uh, thank you all for uh, taking Tom and I on your journey. This has been Iron Garlic and True Law Stories. True Law Stories has been brought to you by VideoCaseStory.com. Testimonials stink. No one wants to watch a testimonial or read a case study. You need video case stories for your business. Go to VideoCaseStory.com to learn more.